Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I mean, a lot of what would happen is I would get um, too amped up and I would show a lot of emotion, which then makes it tougher for me to make good solid swings and you know I not necessarily I don't know if I would have made bogeys or a lot of mistakes but I would have been way more uncomfortable and it would have been even tougher and that's what I felt like in the past it always seemed so tough for me on Sundays and today I wouldn't let my mind go in that direction and so I just kept reminding myself that you know I've I can play great golf and I can play good golf on Sundays Comments from your 2023 Wells Fargo champion, Wyndham Clark, 19 under on the tournament. Actually, wasn't really all that dramatic at the end. Xander Shoffley missed some opportunities. He finished at 15 under, so a four-stroke win for Wyndham Clark. And who else? Better to talk about it than our man Jason Sobel. He joined us last week to preview it. Thought it would be a good idea to bring Jason Sobel on the Body Works Plus guest line, guest hotline again. To recap the tournament, also find him on Twitter, at Jason Sobel, T-A-N, standing for The Action Network. What did you think of the tournament, Jason? Good afternoon, guys. Thanks for having me back on. I, I thought it was look, it was a really good week. I know there wasn't a whole lot of drama on the back nine. I guess we can blame Wyndham Clark, and you know what? I don't think he cares a whole lot if we blame him for a lack of drama down the stretch. That's really the only thing that this tournament didn't have was uh, you know some uh, some nail biting time during the final few holes on that green mile. But it's only because Wyndham Clark played so well. Well, and what what is this guy's story like for you, Jason? I know you were texting or tweeting, I should say. You were tweeting about just how impressive this story is. 29 years old, getting his first victory tour. The the, the payout discrepancy. The last biggest payday he had was just under 500000 This one comes in at $3.6 Is this someone that could have some staying power up at the top? Uh, yeah, look, he's definitely going to have some staying power. This guy is a really good player. What we have known about him over the last few years is that He's a really good driver of the golf ball, really good putter. The irons were sort of iffy on a week-to-week basis. This year, he's actually been better with his approach game than with his driver and and putter. And so uh, that has made him a more complete player. I expect him to be a guy that we see a lot from in the future. I think he vaults himself into the back end of the U.S. Ryder Cup lineup discussion, roster construction discussion, which uh, I think is going to get bigger and bigger over the next three or four months. And um, it's, I, I know that in Charlotte you guys have seen the likes of Rory McIlroy and Ricky Fowler win for the first time at Quail Hollow and vault their careers based on that. I want you to temper expectations a little bit. It's not going to be one of those guys. It's not going to be a, a superstar type player who has a chance to be number one in the world at some point, but he's going to be a very, very good PGA Tour player for a long time. Jason, when you talk about the weekend that he had, lowest score of all time at the Wells Fargo Championship, and we talked about all week how difficult of a course that was. I mean, does that make that performance all the more spectacular, and how was he able to navigate such a tough course so easily? Yeah, it's funny. My buddy Colt Nost was doing the uh, doing the uh, 
on course reporting for CBS yesterday. He said that Rich Beam, who had won the PGA Championship, of course, uh, back in 2005, uh, it was doing work for Sky Sports, walked past him towards the end. But how do you 19 under over four days on this golf course? How is that even out there? And uh, I was thinking the exact same thing at that very moment because I never thought, uh, you know, on, on Thursday, Friday, that a 19 under would be out there at the end. So, uh, again, he played really well. And what I had heard about Wyndham Clark from a mutual acquaintance of ours is that uh, earlier this year he started working with, I don't know if you want to call it a sports psychologist, mental guru, whatever the term you want to use for it is, but he started working, I believe, with the same person who's worked with Max Homa over the last handful of years. Max Homa has become a six-time champion on the PGA Tour, and that's largely due to the fact that not because he's changed his swing, not because uh, he started putting better, which all of that uh, you know, certainly helps, but uh, mostly due to the fact that he's changed his mindset and his mental approach toward the game. And we heard just that clip that you guys played as you were introing the segment, Wyndham Clark talking about where his mind was, how focused he was. I think a lot of that stems from the work that he's done on the mental side of the game. And we all know that golf is a mental pursuit. We all know that, uh, look, uh, anyone who's played the game, whether you're a scratch player, whether you're an 18 handicap, uh, you've hit a good shot and then, uh, on the very same hole the next day, hit a terrible shot. But wait, why, why did I do that? You know, how, how come I could hit it so good one day and so bad the next day? And I think even the pros try, uh, try to deal with that. And they struggle with that. And they try to figure out, you know, how do I work on the mental side of my game? Wyndham Clark has done that. And Wyndham Clark has done that to the extent where, look at him now. He's a guy that's gone from, hey, he's got a lot of potential to, now he's a PGA Tour champion, not just a PGA Tour champion, a PGA Tour champion at a designated event that, as you mentioned, comes with a $3.6 million paycheck, comes with uh, PGA Tour playing tr- privileges for the next few years. He's going to be in all of these designated events, not only for the rest of this year, but moving into next year and the major championships. There's a lot of good stuff right now that comes with winning one of these events. And then he moved up from number 36 to number five in the world after that win. And after a performance like that, do you feel like that that ranking is worthy for him? Will he continue to play up to that? Yeah, so that's the FedEx Cup ranking. So he's now fifth in the FedEx Cup ranking, and I would think he's got an inside track on getting to the Tour Championship. And again, uh, there's definitely a rich-get-richer part to the PGA Tour these days, where once you start playing well, once you win one of them, especially one of these big ones, you're going to get into all the other ones. You're going to have opportunities to win a whole lot more. In the world ranking, I believe he's 30th right now. He was somewhere around uh, 80th, I believe, going into this past week, and so that's a major jump as well, and I think this reflects the maturation process that he's gone through over the past couple of years. But like I said, again, uh, if we're expecting him to be the next Rory McIlroy who wins for the first time at Quail Hollow and uh, falls into becoming a major champion, becoming world number one, becoming an, an icon in the game and a superstar, I, I think we're asking for way too much. If we think that, you know, is this a guy that can win again at some point this summer? Is this guy that can win again next year, challenge in some major championships over the next few years? Yeah, I, I think those expectations are warranted. Jason Sobel of the Action Network talking Wells Fargo Championship right now on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You mentioned Roy McIlroy, Jason, and after a really nice round one performance, man was scr- uh, just scrambling to even make the cut at the very end. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on with the... <laughs> 
I don't know what's going on with the background noise. That seemed like, I don't know if that was the actual tune that we should be playing for Wells Fargo. But other than that, uh, Rory McIlroy scrambling just to make the cut, and then it, it didn't get going for him in round three or round four either. What did you make of, Jay, um, of uh, Rory McIlroy's outing? Yeah, it's very disappointing. And I was as intrigued to watch Rory McIlroy, as I told you guys last week, as I have been to watch any player this year. Because, of course, he missed the cut of the Masters, and he missed the cut in a way that he just looked like someone who needed a break, who needed to be away from the game, who just couldn't quite figure things out. He indeed took a break the next week, forfeited uh, a quarter of his potential pip earnings by skipping the RBC Heritage, hadn't played for about a month, uh, didn't even pick up the clubs for uh, much of that, and then came back last week. And I-, I watched both of his first round and thought, okay, he's back. He's playing some good golf again. And then just never really got it going over the final three days. I, it's really, really interesting to me to watch Rory McIlroy because I think he is sort of the opposite of some of these guys that we've seen come along in golf over the last decade or two who are sort of just, hey, I make a bogey, I forget about it, I move on to the next hole, no big deal, and I just kind of, uh, I've got this blank slate in my mind that I, you know, I don't have to worry about it too much. Rory, meanwhile, I think there's just a lot weighing on him. He admitted that, whether it's fighting for the justice of the PGA Tour over the past year and a half, whether it's just answering so many questions from the media. I know just speaking confidentially with Rory, he's told me about uh, times where he's hosted PGA Tour executives and uh, and legal folks who, who have sort of explained the structuring of the PGA Tour to him. He's, he's very interested in that side of the game, that side of the business, but you wonder how much of that is taking away from his game right now. All that said, I still think I like him a little bit for the PGA Championship next week. Maybe not to win, but I do think that he has played some of his best golf when people are doubting him, when people don't think he's going to play well, when people are expecting uh, maybe less than they usually expect from him. His wife is from the Rochester area. I believe he's an honorary member of Oak Hill. So he's going to go into the year's second major championship with some lowered expectations, especially uh, compared with what was heaped upon him at the Masters last month, and it, it certainly wouldn't surprise me to see Rory in the mix next week. Well, and Jason, I mean, we all understand Wyndham Clark was absolutely awesome in this entire tournament. To be four strokes up on second place, Andrew Shoffley, seven strokes still on where you're finally starting to see multiple people 12 under, 11 under, 10 under when you start to go down the top 10. To finish seven strokes above third place is remarkable. But right there, 15 under, Xander Shoffley. I mean, Jason, that should have been good enough to win. Usually, 15 under, you would think, would win at quail hollow but it didn't for xander and for some reason or another we get to see these big tournaments where he's up towards the top of the leaderboard but so often he just doesn't take home the trophy is he the next guy you think maybe him along a uh, tony finau is xander number one on the list of golfers that are almost there that we all want to see win the major the big tournament that just can't quite get it done right now yeah, probably. I'd throw Patrick Cantley on that list as well, who's really, really talented and hasn't quite broken through at that level at a major championship yet. I would think it's going to happen, but look, we don't play that many of these. And so it's really easy to sit here uh, and say, okay, well, yeah, Xander's going to get his. He's going to win a few of these. Cantley, sure, he's going to win a few. And then uh, Tony Cena, yeah, he's going to get one or two at some point. And then, oh, yeah, Rom's going to get a whole bunch. And Scheffler, and we're going to see some more Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy. <laughs> at some point, you name all these guys, you, you add it all up as to 
how many majors they're going to wind up with, and you've got them winning 75 in the next six years, and the math doesn't work. It just doesn't work that way. And so uh, you would like to think that Xander Shoffley, and I've had uh, fellow PGA Tour players, very, very good PGA Tour players, tell me they think Xander might be the best golfer in the world all around from uh, tee to green and through that, that he is just that talented. At some point, you think he's going to break through. He's played some of his best golf at the major championships, quite frankly, uh, as he did this past weekend. There have been a lot of times where he's played well enough to win and just one or two other people beat him on the leaderboard. And so he winds up with that consolation prize of second or third place. And we wind up talking about him on a Monday. Hey, what's wrong with Xander? Why can't he win more often? Uh, the real answer to it is sometimes golf is just a game of luck. And sometimes one or two other guys just beat you, even though you play really well. And I don't know if I have any advice for Xander Shoffley other than keep doing what you're doing. And at some point, it's going to turn into some more victories out there. Jason, what's the biggest takeaway that you have from this weekend that could play into the season going forward? You know, I always like looking at the Wells Fargo Championship, at least the last couple of years when it's right before the PGA, as to clues for who might win the next major. We're going to Oak Hill in Rochester, New York, and I like looking at guys who haven't necessarily peaked yet, who played good golf but haven't played their best golf. We always hear from the, the game's elite-level players that they want their game to peak four times a year. It's something Tiger started saying 25 years ago, and now seemingly every great player in the game says it all the time. And, and I'm trying to find that guy whose game is going to peak. Xander Shoffley certainly fits the mold. I look a little bit further down the leaderboard. Sung J.M. to me looks really, really good this weekend, as he's looked for much of this year. Hasn't won yet this year, but boy, I'm telling you, it's coming, and I think Oak Hill could fit his golf game. I watched him this week and said, you know, whatever I thought of Sunjay, and he was he was going to be right there near the near or at the top of my list for the PGA Championship next week anyway, and nothing he did this past week has me moving him further down that list. That's Jason Sobel of the Action Network. Follow him on Twitter at Jason Sobel, T-A-N, joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Jason, we appreciate the time as always, man. Thanks again. Thanks, Jason. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Great stuff on the Wells Fargo Championship. Wyndham Clark taking home the trophy after shooting 19 under. Again, four strokes ahead of Xander Shoffley, seven strokes ahead of the third-place finishers. Just an absolute dominant performance, especially as we went on and on going into Sunday at Quail Hollow. Coming up next, we'll talk a little bit more about the Carolina Panthers. we got a game we're going to play. All five rookies that the Panthers drafted, who will see the highest percentage of snaps in order. We'll go from one to five. Coming up next, Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba.
thanks to Jason Sobel joining us. Body Works Plus guest hotline talking Wells Fargo Championship. We'll put that interview on our website, WFNZ.com. All you have to do is just go to the Wes and Walker podcast tab, click on it, and it'll be right there waiting for you along with the best of segments and the hours from today's show. Fiddy, what you got for us before we get started? All right, so he had his thing go off during his interview. Remember last week, Joe Person had like his dog. Like, interrupt him when he came on with this? That's right. Are we cursing our guest? I don't know. I thought it was us. <laughs> I didn't know what that sound was at the at the middle portion there. And I by thought, us, you thought I was over here doing something? Well, I thought something on the computer was going over so, the airways. So well, yeah, that's why we are looking like, wait, what's going on? And then it just kept going. I'm like, all right, Fiddy, mute everything except for him. What are we doing? And then eventually it was like, oh, okay, well, that was Jason. But regardless, still very good, despite that blip on the radar, having the sound come through, still a great interview. I teased it going into this segment. I'm interested in what everybody else thinks, so feel free to join this conversation. 704-570-9610, the number of the Garage Door Guru text line. I want to go from the guy we think is going to play the most amount of snaps in this rookie class to the guy that's going to play the least amount. Brian wrote in his order. He thinks it's going to be Bryce Young, number one. Christian Zavala, or Chandler Zavala, excuse me. I went to school with a guy named Christian Zavala, so that's going to be hard. I'm going to have to get used to that. Chandler Zavala in at number two. DJ Johnson, three. Jamie Robinson, four. Jonathan Mingo, five. And he said, that's because the wide receiver room is so stacked. So, again, you can text in the top five for you, 704-570-9610. I'll get it started. I think it's going to be pretty easy. I think this is going to be a clean sweep. Bryce Young, to me, as long as he's healthy, is going to play 100% of the snaps this upcoming season at quarterback. Of course, you have the injuries, right? Maybe garbage time. But for all intents and purposes, Bryce Young is going to be playing a significant amount of snaps as long as he's healthy at quarterback. He is the guy that, to me, is going to play the highest percentage of snaps out of anybody else that was drafted by the Panthers. I imagine you agree, Wes, with the way we talk about it. No question. Barring injury... This should be true. I mean, if it's not, then something is seriously wrong here. If he's not the number one guy, when you talk about the rookies that are going to see the most reps. So it's no question. I mean, this is academic at this point saying that he will get the most reps this season. I agree, Fiddy. Any way that you would put Bryce Young further down on this list? Yeah, no. If this was Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, maybe the quarterback isn't number one among the rookie class, but you drafted the best quarterback prospect in the group. Trade up number one to get him. Number one, Sprite Young. Yeah, let me sit there just for a moment. You brought up the other QBs. It's something we didn't get to in a couple of segments ago. But do we expect all three of the QBs drafted? One, two, three, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson at number four overall, I should say. Are they all going to be starting week one? Or is it just going to be Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud? No, I think Anthony Richardson is going to play a lot I agree. as well. They talked about how their intentions are to play him early. Uh, Ursay talked about that. I mean, I know it's Ricky Minicamp, but they said he looked pretty good out there as well. So um, I just think Anthony Richardson is being very underrated. I think it depends. I think if you see him in, 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 in preseason and he looks like he's like he probably should look a guy that's making – he was having to adjust to that level when he wasn't great at the college level, maybe he doesn't start right away. I still think at the minimum he starts eight games, though, for the Colts. Is C.J. Stroud a slam dunk, or does Davis Mills have enough under his belt to actually maybe start week one or two? Dude, Is that a might, ridiculous question? That, no, I don't think so. I mean, Davis Mills, he's 
I mean, he's not horrible, but he does have experience at this point. But right. they're both coming into a new offense. So I would say C.J. Stroud's going to take that. you got to imagine he'll stick his neck out there, but I think from day one it'll be Stroud. <laughs> yes, no, excellent. If you don't know, please look up Davis Mills' neck size. Please go do that and then see for yourself why Fitty made that joke. A, di- a different Brian, he called himself the better Brian. Brian with a Y, if you will. He said it'd be Bryce Young, Jonathan Mingo number two, Chandler Savala, number three, DJ Johnson, four, and Jamie Robinson, number five, unless you're counting special team snaps, which I guess for this process, I didn't at least, but you can do whatever you want regarding special teams, whatever you want to do. I'll go number two here as well. I got Mingo. Wow. Two through four is hard, mm-hmm. right? Two through four is very hard to try to figure out who's going to play the highest percentage of snaps. Here's my reasoning. Surprising to me, but I was looking at the percentage of snaps played for all of the players last year on this Panthers team. Would you be surprised if I told you Terrace Marshall was actually the seventh highest on the offensive snap count list? Seventh highest. So first you have Vicky and Taylor Moten there. They were the only two players on this Panthers roster to play 100% of the snaps, 100% both of the tackles. Austin Corbett was third at 97 rounded up. DJ Moore, 96, Brady Christensen, 95, rounded up, Bozeman, 67, remember he took over the job after Elfline got hurt, and right after that, Terrace Marshall. I don't expect Terrace Marshall to be up towards that top again, plus you have DJ Moore accounting for a lot of the snaps, starting at wide receiver one, now you expect those to go to Adam Thielen, but Shai Smith is another interesting one here, you look at how many snaps Shai Smith played, 48 or 47%, it's a lot. And I don't expect, I mean, Shy could be off of the active roster altogether, considering the moves that you made. I think they're going to manufacture touches for Mingo. I think you have to account for DJ Tark possibly being hurt. I think you have to do that a little bit with Thielen and Terrace. Like your top three guys, we've talked all about it. So if you bake in just one injury to any, any three of those guys, plus with how much they love Mingo, they did not trade down to go get Mingo. That's how much they like him, right? At 39. I put Mingo second, Wes, and, and it was tough. Like, two through four was really tough for me, but I ended up with the Ole Miss receiver playing the second most amount. Uh, for my second, I'm going to go with Chandler Zavala. I think with those injuries on the interior of the offensive line, I just feel strongly with the way that he rose late in the process in the draft. And when you talk about uh, all the skills that I talked about coming into this draft that you can check out on his NFL draft tape on the ACCDN on all platforms, I cut that one myself. And I just think with his athleticism, uh, just the fact that, you know, he gave up a sack and eight pressures in the last two seasons. I just feel like he's going to be a guy that's going to come in ready to play in the NFL. He's 6'4", 322 pounds. I think he's a guy that's going to come in ready to go. So I like Zavala as the second guy on this list because I think he's going to end up being a, a future starter for the Panthers. Yeah, no, I, I ended up with Zavala number two. First off, Wes mentioned that you had the uh, injuries to the interior of the offensive line. But go back to that press conference Scott Fitter had after they drafted him. His eyes lit up when talking about him and Icky playing together at NC State, and they were just road grading folks in the ACC. There, there, there already be a natural chemistry there, right there with him beside him. James Campen is one of, if not the best offensive line coach in the league. I think this guy will start making an impact right away. So I ended up with Savala number two overall as well. I did go with Savala number three, and I do think that because – At the top of that list, I was mentioning a lot of offensive linemen. I got to every single one of those offensive linemen before I actually got to Terrace. But to your point, Austin Corbett, he did suffer an ACL injury right at the end of the season. He's not expected to be back right away. He 
he is someone that I do think once he is back, I don't think Corbett's going to lose his job to Zavala. He's too good. They relied on him too much. And especially when you talk about the biggest strength of the offensive line, I think you look at that right side where you felt very good, especially in running situations behind a Taylor Moten. Well, Moten even graded a little bit better passing, I think, last year as well, if you look at PFF. But Notorious, or historically, has been good at run blocking. I think Corbett, once he's healthy, he comes back in. Now, I am leaving a little breathing room. I'm interested with the Christensen stuff. I just think continuity, you have to give benefit of the doubt to the guys that were good last year. The reason we feel so good about this offensive line is all across everybody up front. We feel good about that includes Christensen. So for me, you're doing a lot of heavy lifting early on with Savala getting some of those snaps. And that's why I think Mingo is going to have longer staying power. Savala will get a lot at the beginning of the season. And then I wonder just how much it'll dwindle away. Of course, injuries could throw everything for a loop. Um, especially as the season goes on. But that's why I put Mingo's number two, and that's why I put Zavala at number three. That's my reasoning. Who did you go with number three, Wes? Uh, number three, I feel like that I will go with uh, Jonathan Mingo right here. Um, I think that just the fact of he's going to get every opportunity to be able to come in and get those reps um, as a rookie, and I think that he'll be able to play well enough that they're going to uh, work him in. And so I'm going to go with him. I'll go with him three. Still tough for me, right? Even with Mingo two on my list, I still had a hard time trying to figure out three and four. I go Zavala. You go Mingo. Fiddy, who is the uh, third most snap? uh, Who's going to have the third highest snap share of this rookie class? This is where I go DJ Johnson, my first defensive guy. Scott Fitterer said that he thinks he's going to start and make, or not start, but make an impact right away. And look, he's kind of got to because of how old he is entering the NFL. You got to figure out what you got in him sooner rather than later. We're going to a new defensive scheme. He feels like a guy that is going to fit very well in this new Ezra Avero defense. So I got him three on my list. It was close. I've got DJ number four. YGM played 73% of the snaps last season at defensive end. It's a lot. You also have to account for an odd man front. So if you look at the projected depth chart, Derek Brown is going to be starting on one side of the line. Brian Burns is going to be your outside linebacker as well. And I don't think DJ Johnson is going to be the starter. Now, once you also have more of a four-man front situation, you have to also remember Marquise Haynes can get after the quarterback very well. He is something that they they deploy him as a rotational pass rusher. And Marquise, with a lot of speed off of the edge, he does pretty well. I think the reason I'm going Zavala in front of DJ Johnson, even though I did have to think about it, I think he's going to pick up so many snaps at the beginning of the season with Corbett being out, maybe one, two, three games, who knows just how long he's going to be out. And then I think there's just, even if you feel like you need more depth defensive end wise, even if you feel like you want somebody there for the future, better pass rush help. If DJ Johnson is more to set the edge, you have bigger bodied defensive ends in an odd man front, too. You have a whole bunch of different situations. I do wonder just how much of a raw prospect like Johnson is going to be able to pick all of that up early on. I think that's why I'm leaving a little bit more room for Zavala to come in and contribute right now than a DJ Johnson, who I have four on this list, but it was tight. Is DJ number four on your list, too, Wes? No, uh, and I almost put him third, but I'm going to go with uh, Jamie Robinson. And it's not wow. okay. uh, ACC bias or anything like that, but when you look at Xavier Woods out there, that safety spot, the 55th 
rated safety in the league when you talk about defensive grade. He had a 64 uh, coverage grade when you look at him uh, there. So I just feel like Jamie Robinson, with the pedigree that he has being a two-time two-time first-team uh, all-ACC guy, the way that he comes out, and I just think he's so hungry and he's so disappointed that he wasn't drafted as high as he thought that he would be. He's played a lot of big-time football, man. I just think that this is a kid that could end up being a gem uh, of this draft class, and I like uh, Jamie Robinson a lot. Even even if we're just talking about defensive snaps, or are you counting special teams? No, I'm just defensive. defensive snaps. Okay, yeah. Go ahead, Fiddy. What you got at yeah, number four? Yeah, number four. This is where I, I I landed on Mingo. I feel like you know this is a crowded wide receiver room, um, but I, I do feel like he does some things or has the ability to do some things that other receivers on this roster doesn't have to do. And Frank Reich has said that he wants to be multiple and he wants to rotate those guys. I feel like this will be a guy that if if he proves he's worthy of being on the field, will get a lot of snaps. It just won't be as much as Young Savala. DJ Johnson, those other guys. Yeah, I went with Jamie Robinson, number five. I, I, you know, DJ four, Jamie five. I, I think even if so, if you think Xavier Woods loses his job because Jamie's just flat out better, which is what it seemed like you were alluding to based off of the grades, not really talking about, you know, Jeremy Chin taking that job, right? You have Von Bell, you have Xavier Woods right now, also talking Jeremy Chin. I think Sam Franklin is decent enough, especially when you even talk about special team snaps too. If you wanted to include that category, Sam Franklin was at the top of the list with all the special team snaps. I think it's going to be hard for him to see a ton of defensive well, snaps. Well, I think that Chin's going to start, but the way they're talking about using him all over the place, I think he's going to be a guy that's just going to be doing a little bit of everything for the Panthers. So I think he's going to be on the field all the time, just in different roles. Yeah, but I think if they have that three safety lineup, I think Jamie Robinson can end up working his way into that where he'd be the guy in there over Xavier Woods when they have Jeremy Chin somewhere else. I would say they relied a lot on Xavier. He played the second most amount of defensive snaps last year behind Shaq Thompson. Xavier played 87 rounded up percent of the snaps. And so that would be a big time contributor from last year, losing his job to a fifth rounder for the most part. It's a big, it's a big, bold take. What about Rajon Wright? I thought maybe you sneak him in there. I thought about maybe where. <laughs> yeah, you I think Rajon's going to make his way onto the roster, and I think he's going to make. Uh, I think he's going to do a little bit of damage as well. Why are you slapping your leg in anger over there? Because that's what I was going to do for number five. Is that who you're going with? Uh, I was going. Oh, do I didn't I, know we were including undrafted free agents. <laughs> oh, oh no, no, I was just going to do it just to be the guy right. that was doing it, and then you just offered it up to Wes. Well, you you can't <laughs> say I'm offering it up to a guy that has been talking about Rajon Wright more than anybody in the city. This has been Wes's guy. That's fair to say. And so you think he's actually going to be, play, play more than Jamie Robinson? No, I don't. But okay. I, I was just going to do it just just so you, just I could get clowned for yeah. it. No, I'm not going to clown you. I, you know. Oh, I think Ray Johnson will play. Okay, yeah. so here's the thing. Do we actually want him to be a great player? Because if he is. Well, I mean, yes. But, yes but, and no, because, dude, Wes would become so unbearable. He'd be like, I told y'all to watch that. I damn just go show. up to Bank of America and uh, just apply for a job. He'd be like, I told y'all to watch that damn show. Y'all have been on the come up with me. Blah blah blah. <laughs> we would never hear the end of it. How, how much of it is because of injury, and how much of it is because you think he's just outright going to take Dante's job? No, I think that um, I think he's got a lot of skills, man. I mean, you heard the the pre draft so report that I gave Dante's you. Job. I think he could – I'm not saying that he's going to come in rookie year and be the starter, but well, I think he's going to be a part of the rotation for sure, and I think okay. he's going to end up 
being that guy with that size, 6'2", 200. And like I said, man, the swagger, he's got it. Well, I mean, also injuries could take Dante's job from him. So. Uh, well, yeah, 100. That's, that that's bumper pool kid, too, man. That's another kid that we need to watch as well. Bummer. What? So, I mean, I feel like Wes is just saying we're going to look like the, the college all-stars from last year. We're just throwing them all out there. No, I'm saying bumper that, pool. I mean, no, I when you, I didn't, he didn't get on my radar until, uh, I forget who it was we had. Joe Person mentioned Yeah, him. when Joe Person talked about him. But, I mean, this guy had. 100 tackles, two out of his last three seasons, and had 92 uh, last year at Oklahoma. So, I mean, I think this is – I mean, Arkansas, excuse me. Um, playing that type of football in the SEC, 27 and a half career tackles for loss. I mean, he could come in and make some plays. I did want to talk about this list a little bit more. We're running up against the break. But Big Cat Dan said Mingo was two for him because he's a weapon, because there's going to be more opportunities you can, if, even if you're fourth on the depth chart. Even if that happens, you can have some large wide receiver sets going out there. And so maybe that's why Mingo would go second. And uh, maybe we can talk a little bit more about that. In the next break, in the last hour, we still have plenty of time to get to some of these topics still left on the rundown. Also have some time to get to the second Fitty Flash of the day. What you got for us, Fitty? We're going to keep it with the NFL talk. A report surfaced over the weekend earlier today that... The Washington Commanders, they reached out to Andrew Luck to see if he had any interest in being their quarterback back in the 2022 season. As you could imagine, Colts owner Jim Irsay has warned teams about contacting Luck. On Twitter, Jim Irsay is an amazing follow. Yeah, we, we got to give him, we got to get him off Twitter.com. I'll just simply ask you just a fun conversation. Do you see the former Stanford neck-bearded quarterback that is Andrew Luck returning to the National Football League? I don't. No way. You've seen him do some of these post-retirement interviews. He looks like an offensive lineman with the amount of weight that he's lost. Because Andrew Luck used to be a physical specimen. Yeah, he's about 245. I mean, dude, dude lost so much weight, and he's just having the time of his life not playing football. So done with it. I don't think there's any chance that he would go back. But he's talented enough to where if you're Ursay or you're the Colts organization, you would absolutely say, hands off, especially with everything that's gone on. They have Richardson, but of course you would still want first, uh, first uh, a right of first refusal, excuse me, for Andrew Luck if he comes back to the NFL. So I totally understand the tweet from the Colts owner there. All right, let's take a quick break. NBA playoff conversation coming up next. The Suns are back in the mix in their series. As Fiddy worried about his Knicks? We'll get to all of that coming up next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Out of QC, crazy. All right, never mind. But welcome back 
to the Western Walker Show, Sports Radio, 927-WFNZ. Come on, baby. I got this thing under control. But, yes, yeah, straight out of the Queen City, it is the Western Walker Show. <laughs> Woo! All righty. Uh, off and rolling, man. We're getting towards the bottom of the 1 o'clock hour. You can hit us up on the Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610. Walker, what's oh. cracking over there on the text line right now? Yeah, scrolling, scrolling. Casey Steve wrote in, is Wes saying Rajon Wright is a shutdown corner? LOL. Ah, no, no, no. Just, nice, Just nice, a little question. Nice. Just a little question. AJ Dynamite, love the name, wrote in, Fitty calling out others with neck beards and then pondering emoji, stroking of the chin, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, but he's shaved now. He looks he great. Did. Wes, tell the people how significant of a difference it makes when he actually trims the neck beard and the beard all together. Yeah, man, it looks good. You know what I'm saying? I told Fitty just to, uh, to focus on keeping that thing nice mm-hmm. and uh manicured and it'll it'll give him some results i think so i think so absolutely b money wrote in walker which undrafted player do you think will get the most snaps out of the ones we picked up right probably is the i guess it's him and bumper pool right those would be the two biggest names that are being talked about first and foremost maybe gotta dig in on some more of these guys but just off the top man when you talk about a kid with that type of production two out of the last three seasons over 100 tackles in the sec that's pretty uh, – that, that's nothing to sneeze at. And then, like I said, Rajon Wright, this was a guy in pre-draft evaluations a lot of people thought was going to be a day two pick no later than was called a day three priority pick if he fell that far. So, you know, he's got a chance too. And just last point on, on cornerbacks before we move on to some NFL NBA playoff talk. You still have Henderson. I'm not saying he's great. I'm not saying his job is unattainable. But they clearly – have had to rely on him. And he, I, I still think as uneasy as it makes you feel, he's still a pretty decent part of the secondary as it stands currently. Here is dog poop. Okay. <laughs> some new, he's got well, some your new voice alone wasn't a ring. And no, I know. When you, you got a strain like that I just, to say I something. I want people to get it. Because if you just were to read that comment and not hear the communicating part of it, then you might think Walker saying that C.J. Henderson is a, a nice addition and a big pickup for this team. Like, no, I just, I, I don't think it's great, but I still think he's a big part Your of the Your voice said he was trash. Yeah. You know, and the soundbite said he was like- dog poop, which, <laughs> you know, I didn't call him that. That was a soundbite, but he also wasn't very good last year. All right, man. So NBA playoffs, action over the weekend. And we can start with the sound from Doc Rivers as they played a dramatic game against the Boston Celtics yesterday and Jason Tatum hit a shot late. It wouldn't be enough, but he had a big gripe on uh, the last shot by Jason Tatum. All right. Well, either way, Jason Tatum did a nice. Jason Tatum's three was awful that that wasn't called. Awful. Did you? (laughs) Did you think it was a push off? I'm asking you. No, no, be, be committed. Did you think it was a push-off? It was a push-off. You can't – and the reason it, it bugged me, because at the end of the game, there were the touch fouls. You know, Jason Tatum has a 360 foul. Uh, Marcus Martin t- gets tangled up, touch foul. So if we're going to call it that way, then you have to call that. All right, so I saw the play yesterday, too. I was surprised they didn't call that either, but I just feel like a lot of times at the end of games, the NBA, they just let 
that thing go. They let the players play out. Jason Tatum did hit a crazy shot. I mean, one of the prettiest jump shots in the NBA. It was nothing but that. But Walker, do you agree uh, with Doc Rivers? Uh, yeah, it was a push off, right? Like if you extend the elbow, usually that will get the call. But this reminds me of Reggie Miller talking about what he did to Michael Jordan in that playoff series that would eventually see Indiana and Chicago. Yep. Lose in a seven game series. But when Reggie Mm. runs in and he says the refs aren't making that call in that moment, I'm going to push the hell out of Michael Jordan. I mean, he knew what he was going to do. Runs right into him. Boom. Shoves him just to create space because he said, look. I'm going to put it in the ref's hands. Now, this was not nearly as egregious, but it's egregious enough. Usually what will get the whistle going is if you see that elbow extend and it was there and they decided not to call it. I get why Doc Rivers was mad. Now, eventually James Harden plays really well again. Game four, you have a 2-2 tied series right now. So at least Philadelphia was not crazy hurt by it to the point where they fall to this 3-1 deficit or anything like that to be tied 2-2. That's been a fun series to watch between Boston and Philadelphia but absolutely watching Jason Tatum extend that elbow I thought it was a no call and it was a wrong no call yeah and James Harden no he overcame that hit the big three to put him ahead for good they get the win now my Phoenix Suns my championship pick they are bouncing back in this series after a lot of people thought that they were done for and a lot of people point to the lack of depth on this team when you talk about a bench they get 19 from Landry Shamit last night and they also get uh, a couple other guys, including Terrence Ross, with eight points. But we know this team is all about Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, especially with no CP3. They both go for 36 apiece. This series is tied at 2-2, and they overcome a 53-point effort, 11 assists. That game was yeah, what an insane performance. <laughs> and then you're shocked, four rebounds, though, only for Nikola Jokic, if you were to point out a flaw and nitpick there. But they overcome that. The Suns are back in this, and does the just the pure ferocity of Devin Booker, who Kendrick Perkins is comparing now to Kobe Bryant. Stephen A. Smith. Well, Stephen shut off. Stephen A. Smith wants to let you know. Well, no, the only reason I interrupt is to say no, you're good. that Stephen A. was adamant this morning saying, let it be known, I am the one that is calling him Mamba-like. That okay. I am the one that wanted to compare him to Kobe Bryant. And then Kendrick Perkins is like, we apologize, Stephen A. <laughs> yes, I was the one calling you crazy for that, just like everyone else. But no doubt he's playing out of his mind. Yeah, so you have him and then KD, and you know what KD brings to the table. They go for 36 apiece. So is this showing just the power of, of two superstars and what they can do, overcoming a lack of depth, all of those things to have – the number one ranked team in the West on the rope. Yeah, if if they're on, then you got it, right? Nicole Jokic, 56 points, or 53, I should say, doesn't matter. When you have Kevin Durant cooking like that, on top of Devin Booker, who has been the best 25 player. 25 of 37 field goals. Having probably been the best player this postseason, the only one I would say, Jimmy Butler, single-handedly oh, helping yeah, Miami, that would be another one. But I'll go Boring, Devin. but great. <laughs> That's you. I didn't say that. <laughs> but Devin Booker has been the best player. How about 12 assists, too? And yeah. I think that's the thing to note. It's the fact that you're doing this without Chris Paul. I know Stephen A. also kind of delved into this territory, discussing is Phoenix actually better without Chris Paul? I don't know how true that is. But 129 points with Devin Booker going 14 of 18, 3 of 4 from 3. Kevin Durant also not shooting many threes, 11 of 19 from the field. Here's why I still think it's a lot to ask from them. When they're on, yeah, you can't beat them. But they don't shoot a ton of threes, which means the margin for error in the mid-range 
is still pretty damn slim. Yeah. If if you're not going to take that many threes and you're going to rely so much on mid-range jumpers, which they can, advanced stats, throw them out the window. I'm not here to be all nerd walker on you, right? Like, what they do in the mid-range, it shows they can do it because they are better than the average basketball player, and that's why you have the whole advanced stage telling you to get to the foul line, get to the rim, or shoot the three. Can they continue to be absolute bonkers from that area of the court, or is Denver going to take care of, of home court advantage in a seven-game series where they have home court advantage? I mean, that's why I still think Phoenix, it's not like they're over the hump here. They still have some trouble, but when Devin Booker and Kevin Durant are playing like that, it's hard to beat them, yeah. and that's why they did it. I think they're two mega stars, and I just think they're so hard to overcome, as you said, when they are balling out. Real quick, we're up against them, but... Two questions, rapid fire. Can we expect another blowout in Lakers-Warriors assessment of the series? I'll just say I think Golden State bounces back tonight. The Nettles will change yet again to all the Lakers in trouble and all the Warriors about the coast. I have the Warriors taking games four and five. And are Fitties Knicks in a world of trouble? Normally, I don't like to swing the pendulum from game to game, but I do think that the Knicks are in big trouble, and I do think Fiddy is becoming the kiss of death for his team. Well, especially with the way that series is being officiated, right, Fiddy? And go. Oh. Look at this to see whether this is a flagrant. Man, that, that was scary. I don't, even, I don't even know if I want to see that again. You've got to think that's going to be a flagrant. The question is, is it a one or a two? <laughs> here last week and complained about officiating because it was in the garden and the heat got every call. Then we go to Miami Beach, what Nick fans call New York South, and we still did not get a single call. Jimmy Butler was out there on I hate one you. leg. I hate your guts. One ankle and single-handedly got more calls in one game that I've gotten from women in the last five years combined. Oh, no. I have, oh, no. It is absolutely <laughs> mind-blowing. And every time they pan over to Eric Spolstra, he's just sitting there with his mouth open, just completely dumbfounded that he he's either, A, getting the call he shouldn't have got, or he's mad that he's not getting calls that he should not get. I don't get it. I don't watch the Heat play very often. I'm, I'm just hmm. now getting back into watching the NBA on a regular basis. Is this how they always get officiated? They're like the Duke of the NBA. You breathe on them, it's a foul. You fart, it's a foul. Mm, that is you, foul. You do anything to them, it's a foul. Meanwhile, I watch R.J. Barrett, uh, Emmanuel quickly get <laughs> bumped, thrown to the floor, thrown into the basket stanchion. Nothing, zip, nada. The Knicks are done. They're going to lose tonight, and they're going to go back to the Garden and they're going to get their ass beat. Still a good year. We made the second round of the postseason, but I mean, when when the officiating is this bad and your best player outside of Jalen Brunson is Julius Randle, we've got a whole lot of chances to go far in the NBA playoffs. Wow. Walker, uh, Warriors win tonight, not a Knicks in trouble? Uh, Real quick. Warriors do win tonight. Knicks are in trouble. All right. Well, when we come back, we go into hour three. We're going to talk about this Bank of America situation and the city council. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.